Today's Bible reading comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. For you yourselves know, brothers and sisters, that our visit with you was not without result. On the contrary, after we had previously suffered and were treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, we were emboldened by our God to speak the gospel of God to you in spite of great opposition. For our exhortation didn't come from error or impurity or an intent to deceive. Instead, just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please people, but rather God who examines our hearts. For we never use flattering speech, as you know, or hide greedy motives. God is our witness, and we didn't seek glory from people, either from you or from others. Although we could have been a burden as Christ's apostles, instead we were gentle among you, as a nurse nurtures her own children. We cared so much for you that we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become dear to us. For you remember our labour and hardship, brothers and sisters, working night and day so that we could not burden any of you, we preached God's gospel to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how devoutly, righteously, and blamelessly we conducted ourselves with you, believers. As you know, like a father with his own children, we encouraged, comforted, and implored each one of you to walk worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Let the little children come to me. Let the little children come to me. Don't stop them. Don't stop them. Because the kingdom of God belongs. Because the kingdom of God belongs. Kingdom of God belongs. Belongs to such a Good evening. And um, can I add my welcome uh, to you all tonight? Let me pray as we begin to look at God's Word. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're a speaking God. Uh, We thank you that your Word makes us wise for salvation and that you've given it to us that we may grow as your children into your likeness. Uh, Please help both uh, the speaker and the listeners tonight to be changed by your Word that we may grow into your likeness. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Tonight we uh, continue our little mini-series such as these where we're looking at uh, the place and the plan of children in God's family and also in the church. Uh, We've seen the great privilege that uh, we have in being called God's children, adopted into His family uh, by our Heavenly Father. And today we're looking at the pattern of growing as God's children. And I don't know if you've thought about this, but growth is an evidence of life. Uh, just recently, Sally and I have been uh, made grandparents again. Uh, we've got a little grandson, uh, Sylvester. And um, now, one of the things that happens... Uh, sorry, I just thought I'd throw a couple of family shots up there. Uh, you know, hopefully I'm not putting you to sleep. Uh, but one thing that, you know, people say to you is, uh, well, congratulations, that's the first thing. Uh, well, of course, I didn't, didn't do anything to achieve this, but anyway, people continue to say that. And then they say, is it a boy or a girl? if you're still allowed to ask that question anymore. And then the, the next thing is, what's its name? And then, uh, then of course, it's how heavy? What's, what weight was it? How, how, you know, what? And, and for a bloke, you know, this is sort of a question you think, how heavy was it? What's, what's that matter? I mean, it's here, that's the main thing. But anyway, how heavy it is, is very important for the nurses and the doctors in the hospital because guess what? A couple of weeks later, they weigh the baby again. 
And if the baby is not growing, then alarm bells will ring. And uh, the doctors will come in and they'll try and figure out what's wrong, why isn't the baby growing and so on. Even, even months after and even years after, they, they chart the baby's uh, weight by what they think it should be. So growth is an evidence of life. In fact, uh, when I was uh, six years of age, and my mother's written about this, uh, uh, my auntie asked me to go and write a composition uh, on where we get our energy from in order to grow. And this is what I uh, came back with five minutes later. We get our energy from our food. Now, you can tell my penmanship hasn't changed a great deal, those have seen my writing since then, uh, and my spelling hasn't got all that much, uh, well, hasn't probably improved all that much, but even at an early age, I realised that we get our energy from our food and we need to eat to get the energy and we need that to grow. Growth is an evidence of life. Now, sometimes uh, when you're growing up, um, you know, you can see... Uh, a family likeness in, in the uh, son or the daughter to their parents. Uh, and we expect people to be growing. That's what life is all about. Now, we spend a lot of time thinking about the growth of a human child. But what about our spiritual growth? What about our growth not into the likeness of our human family, that happens whether we like it or not, but what happens, what about the, the growth into our spiritual family, our new family into which we've been adopted? Are we taking on the likeness of our new heavenly father? Or are we just content to stay where we are with the growth that has happened uh, so far in our lives? But brothers and sisters, we have a great opportunity and privilege to not only grow ourselves into the likeness of our Heavenly Father, but also to grow each other into His likeness as well. And that's exactly Paul's motivation for all of his ministry. And he says this in Colossians chapter 1, verse 28. We proclaim Christ. We warn everyone we meet. We teach everyone we can, so that we may bring everyone to maturity in Christ. That was Paul's goal, that was Paul's aim for his ministry, to, to take people wherever they were to maturity in Christ. It wouldn't matter if they were not yet a believer. He was keen to, to, to tell them the gospel, that they would know about Jesus. He was keen for them to understand who Jesus is, to, to turn to Jesus, to seek forgiveness. And he was keen to grow them into the likeness of their new father, the heavenly father, who's called them into his kingdom. And we see Paul doing this in our Bible reading today from uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And there's two headings that uh, I have that I wanted to look at. First one is Paul's work from verses 1 to 6, and then Paul's warmth from verses 7 to 12. So firstly, Paul's work. We see two things about Paul's work uh, here in this passage. Firstly, there's boldness in the face of hardship. Boldness in the face of hardship. Even before, uh, before Paul got to Thessalonica, and we can read about this in the book of Acts uh, in chapter 16, we, can, we find out that even before he got there, he was in a town called Philippi. He was uh, beaten, flogged, 
had charges brought against him, had a crowd stirred up against him, thrown in prison without any trial. Even though Paul, because he was a Roman citizen, uh, should have had a fair trial. No, no, none of this happened. That's even before he got to Thessalonica. And things didn't, well, didn't go uphill from there at all. In fact, he had to skip town, sending Timothy back later on to find out how they were going. In verse 2, uh, Paul says that uh, God gave them the courage to continue on uh, in Thessalonica despite the opposition and despite literally much agony. And so he was bold in face of, of the hardship that was there. Why? Because he was keen to grow these new Christians into the likeness of their heavenly father, their new father, in the, the family into which they'd been adopted. Well, brothers and sisters, we as God's children, and we've been reminded of this in previous weeks, have a great privilege. We're adopted into God's family. We're made heirs of his kingdom, co-heirs with Christ. We can call God Father. We can approach him at any time. But will we continue to serve him who has loved us so much in the face of hardship or opposition? Or will we just buckle and say, well, this is just too hard. Let's just skip it. Let's just go soft. Well, these verses challenge us, do they not? They challenge me to continue in the face of hardship. Yes, we continue to share the good news of Jesus with gentleness and respect. We don't go out of our way to be obnoxious or abrasive. Uh, as 1 Peter 3.15 tells us, we are to do that. Ready always to be uh, giving a reason for the hope that we have with the gentleness and respect uh, that we've been shown ourselves. Like one beggar telling other beggars where the bread is. Uh, continuing on, boldly sharing Jesus in the face of opposition. Well, secondly, that we notice, second thing that we notice here about Paul's work is there's integrity in the face of temptation, uh, verses 3 to 6. The first temptation that they would be uh, really up, up against was, was not so much from the outside, like the hard, hardship and, and persecution was, but it was more an internal temptation of, of seeking fame and popularity, of even greed because of what they were doing. Now, a lot of the uh, first century speakers that, that uh, you know, covered the circuits of these cities uh, certainly were motivated by greed. Waltzed into town with big entourage, get, get, get a, uh, yeah, a big fee for, for getting up and speaking and so on. But Paul makes it very, very clear that his ministry is not motivated by greed. In fact, he says... My ministry, our ministry, he and that of Timothy uh, and, and others, were anchored and approved, verse 4, by God. We're not trying to please you lot out there. We're not trying to butter you up. We're not trying to flatter you or trick you to get any gain from you at all. He was quite open about this. And, and a number of times he says through this passage, you know, you know how we lived, you know how we treated you, you know that we wouldn't want to be a burden to you and so on. As one translation says, the, 
New Living Translation says, we, verse 6, we were not pretending to be your friends just to get your money. And that was quite a unique and refreshing way of thinking because a lot of the speakers in those days were wired the other way. Quite a few years ago, uh, Sally and I started getting Christmas cards uh, from a couple that really we didn't know at all. I'd grown up in the same church as this couple. They were probably about 10 years older than me, quite a bit. And, uh, well, we hadn't heard from them and I hadn't seen them for, for quite a few years. But, but we started to get Christmas cards from them. Well, that's quite nice. What do you do? You know, do you send one back or do you not? But uh, we, were, we were out of town one day and we happened to bump into them. And uh, they said, oh, you must come round for dinner. You must come round for dinner. And uh, so, well, okay, all right, well... Yeah, okay, we're up here, or we'll go around. We went around to these people's place for dinner and they'd invited another couple there as well. Uh, now, about three quarters of the way through the evening, um, they started to talk to us about this multi-level marketing uh, corporation, let's call it, that they were all involved in. You know, it's like the sort of thing that, uh, you know, we sell this product you buy it from me, I get something. You then tell somebody else to sell it for you, you get something, I get something. Then they sell it to somebody else, they get something, you get some, they get something, that you get something, I get something. Like all of this type of thing. Now this, this couple sold us, or tried to, on the idea that because we were thinking about getting involved in more Christian ministry, they actually said, this would be a great idea for you. Uh, because you know so many people and you'll be able to sell so much stuff and you'll be able to get all of this money and you'll be able to give up work and you'll be able to do Christian ministry. Well, I, suffice to say, we didn't take them up there on their kind offer. Actually, one of the guys said, I don't mind what you do. Uh, I, know that I know how well we're getting on. We're going to be close friends for the rest of our life. Well, sadly, that didn't happen. But anyway, we won't go into that story. The idea was... Use your position to gain. And I would suspect, as indeed we were, it certainly was not for us, that Paul would have been horrified for this idea. He says, verses 5 and 6, God is my witness. He knows our heart. He knows our motivation. Even though we were appointed by Jesus as his apostles and had the right, therefore, for, for income to free us up. We didn't want to be a burden to you. And we know from the book of Acts also that, that Paul was a tent maker on the side. He made tents. He got his income from that. He didn't want to be a burden to this new church at Thessalonica. And he didn't want his ministry tainted uh, by the accusation that somehow he was motivated by greed or, or any other type of gain. And on top of this temptation for financial gain or, or power, of course, over other people in whatever form that might be, there was a temptation for the sake of popularity to go soft on the Word of God, to go soft on the Bible, to sort of not be so, well, clear on the Scriptures, water it down a little bit so that people would be attracted to our teaching and happy to come and listen and enjoy the experience. I mean, no one likes to be told about sin and how we are under the righteous judgment of God. So let's just go soft on it. No, no, he says. 
We were bold in the face of opposition, what? In sharing the gospel, in sharing the word of God. Verse 4, we were entrusted with this gospel. And verse 8, you know how we shared this gospel with you as well as our lives. Paul neither shrank from the gospel, from the good news, because of external hardship, nor did he compromise uh, his ministry uh, by succumbing to the internal temptations of greed, of power, of manipulation or of going soft on the gospel. So friends, as we consider Paul's work, we need to be looking at our hearts and our motivations. So we see Paul bold in the face of hardship and there's integrity in the face of temptation. Well, the second thing that uh, I'm looking at tonight, we've seen Paul's work, the second thing is Paul's warmth. Paul's warmth. Care in growing them, in verses 7 to 12. You can't escape Paul's warmth here in these verses. His love for these Thessalonian believers and his humility with them. Sadly, sometimes Paul gets a bad rap or he's... uh, too hard, prickly or whatever it might happen to be. But you can't escape the fact that he really loved and cared for these people. Although they could have been a burden, as I've said, to the Thessalonian believers, they were gentle, verse uh, 7. We were gentle among you. Some translations or manuscripts actually had, we were like children among you, like infants among you. We were gentle Uh, whichever the correct wording, Paul and his missionary buddies did not lord it over those in the church at Thessalonica with some sense of entitlement. But they were humble. Two images he uses here are family images. He was, verse 7b, like a nursing mother towards them. A nursing mother provides everything that the child needs in order to grow. That's what a nursing mother does. In a child to grow into a healthy, growing baby, child, adult. Paul supplied that. Like a nursing mother, gentle, caring, supplying, sharing. And what did he share? He shared the word of God, the gospel with them in contrast to others who were going around speaking, who were being a burden, who were lording it over others, who were seeking gain, either financial or other. No, Paul was humble, sincere, genuine in his love and his care. And as he says a number of times, you know how we lived. I'm not pulling the wool over your eyes, I'm not... I'm not trying to make this up. I'm not making it up because you know how we were among you. It was like a nursing mother. And the family image continues in verse 12, like a father to them. This highlights the instruction, in a sense, that Paul gave. A lot of the Greco-Roman fathers of the day uh, were, well, that was their role, to teach and instruct and to train uh, and to educate the children. And that's exactly what we see Paul doing here. Verse 12, encouraging, comforting and urging them to live lives worthy of God 
who called them into his kingdom and his glory. What's Paul doing here? He's been caring, he's been warm, that's the word I've used, but he's been loving, but he's also encouraging. He's also giving them that which they need in terms of, of uh, demonstration of life. We lived among you, providing the challenge maybe that they needed and the direction that they needed, just as a father would lovingly care for his children. And notice the family imagery. <laughs> you can't just sweep this away. Nursing mother, a loving father, a father that encourages them. It's family language. It's relational language. He didn't sort of use the language of like, uh, you know, a body trainer or a bodybuilder to, to all of you lot out there. I'm teaching you how to do this. No, no. It's family language. It's relational language. It's loving language. And it's loving care with an edge. It's not just care for carer's sake. That's nice. But it's care with an edge to not only see that their material or temporal needs are met, but also their eternal needs. And that's something that we need to continue to have in our minds. Paul says in verse 8 that we loved you. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share not only the gospel of God with you, but also our lives as well. There's genuine loving care, relational care, life done together care, but care also with an edge, urging them to live lives worthy of the calling, sharing the gospel, the word of God. It's relationships put right side up. And brothers and sisters, we have a great responsibility and also privilege to not only see that we ourselves are growing, but that we would also see that each of us is growing. If the young baby is not growing after three months, then the doctors come in and try and find out what's going on. If I'm not growing after three months, will anyone come and question me and, and chat to me or is anyone asking me how am I going how am I growing are you being asked it's just a little too easy for us to sort of think oh well we're all okay but we need to keep encouraging strengthening each other to live lives worthy of the calling that we have received that's what Paul's motivation is to present everyone mature in Christ, meeting them wherever they are at in order to grow them to maturity. And it's relational. You can't escape it. It's relational. Now you might think, well, you know, relationships are a struggle for me and, and they are for me too. I struggle in relationships. I've got my own struggles. I struggle within myself. I struggle to know what to do with some people. I struggle with my own needs, my own fears, my own shortcomings. I've got immediate family and we also have needs and struggles. And so sometimes you think, I'm just, it's just a burden. But 
Remember what Paul says in Colossians chapter 1. I do it with the strength that God gives me. And so we come to him and ask him for that help, that strength, that enabling, that we would care for each other in the way that would continue to grow us to be more like Jesus. Uh, since being at Toon Gabby Anglican Church, I have noticed a very encouraging amount of care. And not just care for care's sake, but care with that edge of which I've been speaking. Uh, last Sunday afternoon at 3pm, uh, a lovely lady uh, saw me just before the service started and said, I was watching church online this morning which is pretty impressive given that she's a 3 pm -er from our traditional service. I was watching church online this morning and, and I noticed that somebody put up there that they had a need and I just thought I'd let you know about that so that we could make sure that we're not just letting it fall off, uh, off the table. How encouraging that was. And I know of a small group uh, that continues to care for a, a gentleman that can't come anymore because of ailments. And they continue to meet with him each week, even now at his house. Uh, they travel to him now because of the trouble that he has. This, this gentleman, and I do have his permission to mention his struggles, he, he's been at death's door a number of times. He has many physical problems and struggles and pains that are beyond my comprehension. We chat on the phone uh, fairly regularly and he is a great encouragement to me as we share the word of God together. In the midst of all of his problems that are more immense than, than I could ever imagine actually, But what an encouragement it is to know that his brothers and sisters at Toon Gabby Anglican Church continue to encourage him that he, in the midst of all his problems, will stay firm with the Lord Jesus, that he would continue to grow into the likeness of his heavenly Father, that he would finish strong for the Lord and praise God he is doing that. It's genuine gutsy care, relational love with a gospel edge. One uh, thing I found helpful uh, that my old boss Simon Manchester from St Thomas's North Sydney said, uh, he said this, people will only care what you know when they know that you care. And I, last night I actually thought, I wonder if somebody else said this, and I did Google it, and apparently Teddy Roosevelt said something similar, but Simon made it a lot clearer and simpler, and that's his skill. People will only care what you know when they know that you care. And the care that we give people is care with an edge, care with the Word of God that will sustain them and will grow them as it has sustained and grown us. And brothers and sisters, if we ourselves are not growing, if I'm not growing, how can I expect to be used by God to help you to grow? 
And if you're not growing because you think, oh, it's too hard or the opposition is too strong or I've got an inner temptation that I'll have to give up if I'm growing. If you're not growing, how can you expect God to use you to grow others? This is what we see here in Paul. A boldness in the face of hardship and a genuine, loving, warm care for others that they would continue to grow into the likeness of our Heavenly Father. I thought I'd finish just by speaking to those of you who maybe have not yet uh, trusted Jesus, have not yet come into God's family, have not yet, as I would like to call it, received the adoption papers. Do you know, Jesus has made it all possible for us to come into God's family from wherever we are. He has died for our sins so that we could be forgiven. He's made it possible for us to know God and to be able to call him Father, to have an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. And Jesus stands before you tonight, dear friend, if you have not received Jesus, he is standing before you with adoption papers in his hand that has your name written on it. It is a guarantee of relationship with God that you can call him Father, being welcomed into his family and given the privilege to grow to be more like him. A few of my friends and relatives of adopted children and those children maybe only know a little bit about the new family into which they're going. But you know something about the family of God. If you've heard about the Lord Jesus, you know of his love, you know of his compassion, you know of the future you can have. You might not know everything and you still have, may have more questions. But I'm praying that you'll know enough that even tonight you'll receive those adoption papers and say, thank you, Jesus, for adopting me into God's family. Thank you, Jesus, for giving me a new future and a new hope. And help me, dear Lord God, to grow into your likeness, the likeness of our Heavenly Father, who has adopted us by his kindness into his family. And may we all grow to be more like him. And let me pray for his help. Thank and praise you, Heavenly Father, that in your kindness you've given your Son that we could be forgiven, we can call you Father. Know the joy of sins forgiven and relationship put right with you and relationship with your people. Please continue to grow us into the likeness of Jesus, into your likeness that we may be mature, being able to also help others to also grow into your likeness. And we thank you for your spirit and your help in doing this. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.